0: Good morning, everybody. Glad to have you with me once again today as we come into another edition of the Sunday Morning Digital Cathedral. And let's see what God's gonna say to us this morning. That'll stretch us, maybe rock our world a little bit, um, help us to define some things as we're on this journey of a lifetime, a journey that generations, I think, have looked for but have not really discovered. So it's, it's really important that we learn together and we progress together and we leave ourselves open to what the Spirit of God is teaching us. I'm gonna take just a a little rabbit hole trail this morning. I've been teaching a lot on the I amness, the creative power of I am and the ability that you have to create the life that you live in. And I know that's heavy duty and it's a huge big piece of meat for a lot of you. Is where grace has taken us. Grace takes us to all these places, all these truths, all these Depths the solvings of mysteries that we had no idea about before as we were just church folk walked in Sunday morning Heard four or five points on how we could do better and went home and had a roast beef dinner and went on to work Monday morning But things have changed atmosphere is different now we're growing and we're changing and we're evolving we're becoming as He is in this present world and what an exciting journey it is and I'll tell you I'm I'm excited to make the trip with you All right, so we're doing a little rabbit hole. I'm gonna let let the I am marinate a little bit. I'm fully aware that I can overload you in these new areas. As I see things, I pass them to you. That's kind of the way I teach. He shows me, I show you. And I do let it marinate and I let it cook in me a long time until I'm pretty, pretty doggone well convinced that what I'm saying to you not only is accurate, but it's workable and practical. If you've been with me at a digital cathedral, you know that I'm very methodical. I'm, I'm line upon line, I'm point upon point, and I'm practical. I want I want us to be able to live it out. I want us to be able to demonstrate what we teach. So I'm gonna let the I am this just cook a little bit, let it marinate, just keep grasping it, keep thinking about the creative power that we have. And I was asked a good question this week by someone um, and so I thought I'd just take this morning and answer the question for everybody because it is a very good question. The question was this, in light of everything that we are learning, and it seems like in the body of Christ in general right now, the teaching is coming in three areas, three big areas. First of all, we're, we're learning about the manifestation of the sons of God. I won't say anything more about that. Second of all, we're learning about our authentic identity as being divinity. We're a chip off the old block. We're partakers of the divine nature. You've heard me talk about that, I've done a lot of weeks on that. And number three, which we've been on now for five or six weeks, is the creative power of the I Amness. The person asked, in light of everything that we're learning, and here was the question, how do we know if we are living out of the mind of Christ in these things? Because it's the mind of Christ, the spirit of truth that lives within us that will lead us into all truth. That's a great question. So, I thought I'd take this morning and just say, look, maybe other people are wondering the same thing. How do I know? Are there some ways that I can know if I'm living out of the mind of Christ? And there are. I want to give you some ways this morning. Very practical, very simple, and they're all internal. Nobody's going to be able to judge you on these because what I'm going to give you, only you are going to know if they're working in your life or at what level they are. And all eight of these are going to be at different levels. They're like, like cylinders in an eight-cylinder automobile. Some are up, some are down, some are higher, some are lower, but they're all pumping and they're all working. How do I know if I'm living out of the mind of Christ? All right, first first, first of all, this is not the first point. This is just, let me say this first. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16 is powerful and we need to say, okay, this is the objective truth. First Corinthians 2, 16 says, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have, the mind of Christ, all right? We have the mind of Christ. Now, it's not something you're trying to obtain. It's not something you're trying to build your faith up that you can get a hold of. We've got to know, first of all, that we are in full possession, hear me clearly, we are in full possession of the mind of Christ. You this morning, if you're watching me on the Digital Cathedral, you have the mind of Christ. Never doubt it, never doubt it. What's growing now is the awareness of what we already objectively possess. It's growing subjectively. We're learning it from a lot of different ways, a lot of different dimensions, but you haven't. It. It's, it's now a growing in awareness, it's a developing consciousness. consciousness, And that's a subjective development. It comes in different forms. I wanna help you know this this morning, some forms that it may well come in. So I think there are some very practical markers that you can see developing in your life that will help you to know, I'm functioning out of the mind of Christ. That's the mind of Christ working right there. I see it, I recognize it. <clears throat> now let me, let me say a couple things, a couple caveats. First of all, let me reiterate again. These are internal workings. It's not something somebody's gonna look at your life and say, that guy's not functioning in the mind of Christ, look at that. No, 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 what I'm gonna give you are things that are going on within you that only you can know and recognize. Second thing I wanna say is that these develop by grace. They're not flesh efforts. You don't run out and try to do these things. They come by grace. And remember I told you my favorite definition of grace? Grace is a divine influence that creates an effortless change as we rest in him. Everything comes out of rest. It's it's finished, seven days, God's in rest. Every, he, he's already created everything to ever be created. And we went through Genesis 1 and his imagination, his mind, he developed the creation. Then in chapter 2, verse 5, he formed a man out of the dust of the ground, breathed life into him. It all came on the seventh day. It came out of a place of rest. Everything that we develop now comes out of a place of rest. So let's come over to to Matthew chapter 13. Now that I've established that, I'm going to begin to unwind this for you. Matthew chapter 13, let me read verses. Let me pick it up in verse 10 and I'm gonna read it down through verse 17. Matthew chapter 10, Matthew. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 13, starting with verse 10, 13, 10. And the disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? Now this is an important teaching. Jesus answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know, everybody say no, you gotta know her. It has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Their eyes aren't open. They, they can't get it. No matter how hard they work at it, they can't get it. For whoever has, whoever knows, whoever's developing a knower, more will be given to him in abundance. But whoever does not have, even to that which is taken away from him, therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing, they don't see. Because they're seeing with their physical eyes. They're trying to work with a thinker and hearing they don't hear, nor do they understand They're functioning out of a thinker. He said, you're not functioning out of a thinker. You're functioning out of a knower it has been given to you to know. Let's keep reading verse 14 and in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says hearing they will not hear and seeing they will not see or perceive for their hearts of the people have grown dull. So he's talking about an understanding that comes out of the heart the knower, the spirit, the mind of Christ. Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes have been closed and they should, lest they should hear, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts, understand with their hearts and turn and I should heal them. Verse 16, but blessed are your eyes for you see and your ears for you hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and didn't see it and to hear it, but they didn't hear it, but you've seen it and you've heard it. All right, this is is gonna get really good today. This morning I wanna take a good look at the freedom that comes when we put on and we function and we are awakened to the fact that we have the mind of Christ and we start flowing out of that. The mind of Christ is not like a man's thinker. The mind of Christ and the spirit of man work in perfect coordination. When when the mind of Christ is functioning, it works with your with your spirit and you have a knower. You know. Your your the mind of Christ and the spirit allows you to know. The natural man functions out of a thinker. He thinks everything. He thinks based on what the five physical senses tell him, what he sees with his natural eyes, and that's what Jesus was getting at, It's all they know, what they hear with their natural ears. He said, but their hearts, their knowers, the mind of Christ that functions within them, doesn't get it, they're, they're not aware of it yet. And they're not aware of it because the time hasn't come, their eyes have not opened yet. Uh, what is it, Romans chapter eight, six, eight, 6, says to be carnally minded, is death flesh-minded here you only work off your senses but to be spirit-minded coordination mind and spirits be spirit-minded a spirit that functions out of the mind the mind that submits to the spirit that's the mind of Christ is life in peace so what what's going on today in our life is where we're going through an upgrade of our operating systems we're moving more and more out of the thinker the natural mind, and we're coming into the mind of Christ, which is a coordinated effort with an awakened spirit. And those two function together, and that's an upgrading system. And it comes it comes the same way it does for us as it did for Jesus. It comes through a process, and here's the Greek word, it's the word kenosis. The word kenosis is simply an emptying out of yourself. It's an emptying to where you no longer function out of what you perceive naturally, and that requires that you let go of everything. You just step back and let go. You let go. I've talked to you about resting, trusting, believing. That's that's a letting go. It's kenosis. Jesus went through a process of kenosis. Let me read it for you out of Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two, because he ties it up to us. Philippians chapter two, and let me pick it up with verse 5. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 says let this mind be in you which was also in Christ. Here's how the Christ here's how the mind of Christ works. Watch this. Who be this is how the mind of Christ thinks, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. That mind is in you. I'm not even going to touch that right now. Verse 7 but made himself of no reputation. He emptied out all of his reputation. If anybody could have come to the earth with reputation, it would have been Jesus. Anybody that could have thrown their reputation up in the faces of people and said, you know who you're dealing with? I just came from my father in heaven. I, I am the son of God. I am, I am fully man. I'm fully God. I'm 100% deity." Do you have any idea who's talking to you right now? He emptied himself of all of that. Made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a bond servant. And coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So do you, you see what happened there? The mind of Christ empties out everything of our natural selves, our natural perceptions, our, our natural inclinations, what we've learned by experience, what we've maybe other people have tried to, to teach us naturally. We empty ourselves out of that. Jesus demonstrated the mind of Christ, certainly not a natural mind, when he taught us how to live morally and ethically in the Sermon on the Mount. That's, that's beyond a natural ability. It's beyond a natural mind to, to think. In fact, we look at all kinds of ways to get out of the Sermon on the Mount. You know, love your enemies, do good to those that despitefully use you, uh, bless your, you know, all that stuff. We look at ways to get out of it. But Jesus functioned out of it because it was the mind of Christ. Paul lived out of the mind of Christ, and he taught us who we are, what our identity is, what we have that has been given to us as a beneficiary of the new covenant. The new covenant was made between the father and the son, and you're the beneficiary of all that they established. So you get the big fat check in the mail, but they do all the work. You are a beneficiary of the covenant. So Jesus lived out of the mind of Christ, Paul lived out of the mind of Christ. So what I wanna do this morning is I wanna pull on both of them. I wanna just look pretty exclusively at Paul and Jesus and what they had to say. So I'm gonna give you this morning, check it out. And I'm I'm gonna have to to not spend a lot of time on each of these. I wanna give you eight ways, eight ways that you can help to see yourself that you are in fact functioning out of the mind of Christ. Functioning out of the mind of Christ is imperative if we're, number one, going to manifest as sons of God, daughters of God. Number two, if we're going to come out of that identity, our authentic identity as divinity. And number three, we're going to get what I've been teaching which is the creative power that we can have in our daily lives to shape our lives in our future through our I amness. Our I amness comes out of I am that I am. Everything I am comes out of, it's an offshoot. It's the vine feeding the branch. The I am that I am is the vine. I am is the branch. He feeds it to me, therefore I am. I am an apple tree because the root of I am that I am is an apple tree. So he feeds me what I need. I I, I don't want to get into that. My heart's so full of I am that I am that I could go another half hour on it. But I want to give you eight ways because functioning out of the mind of Christ is important. And the, The question that the guy gave me this week was really a good one. And some people, they 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 confess I have the mind of Christ, but they really don't know what that, that's involved. So I'm gonna give you some little tips. And again, don't try to make these happen in your flesh. Sit back, enjoy the ride, let the Spirit of God develop it within you as you rest in Him, trust and believe. Believe is not an action. Believe is an effortless response to revelation. As he reveals these to you, takes you deeper in them, you're going to see these eight that I'm going to give you. You see them begin to grow, begin to sprout. They begin to take on some visibility, but it comes from the invisible within the kingdom where everything grows, where all our source is. It grows in there and it becomes evident then in the natural. Are you ready? First thing I wanna say is this, number one, and these are not by priority, I just I just wrote them down as I, as I thought about it. Number one is this, when you live out of the mind of Christ, you respond to the initial promptings of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't have to argue with you to do something. It doesn't become a debate. You're going to notice, I drew a distinction between thinker and knower, because you're going to begin to notice your knower which is the spirit, the heart, working in conjunction with the mind of Christ, you're going to begin to notice that your your knower is drawing you in what to do, in what to say, and your life is gonna, you're gonna begin to do this without hesitation. You're not gonna debate it. You know, the natural mind debates it, the natural mind I could always tell when I was pastoring and I'd ask somebody to do something I could always tell if they were a- operating out of a natural mind or a spirit mind if they're operating out of a natural mind or the mind of Christ because the cop-out always was let me pray about it well maybe some people did but that's actually the Christian ease way of saying I don't, I don't really think so my first response in my head is to say no no if you don't want to, if you're not led to, if the mind of Christ isn't saying to, then just say it. Say, you know what, that's that's not what I'm that's not what I'm about right now. I'm that's not I'm just telling you, it's a good thing you've asked, but I'm I can't respond to that right now. That's not me. <clears throat> you don't have to put it under a guise of let me think about it. You don't have to think about it. You can ask you can ask me to do something, and I will know almost immediately if I should or I shouldn't. You send me an invitation to come speak. I don't know whether I should come or not come. I know almost instantaneously. So one thing that you notice with the mind of Christ as it develops is that you will respond to the initial promptings of the Holy Spirit. Now that's going to open up some things that may, as soon as you uh, agree or respond, that may open up some things all of a sudden makes you feel insecure because you don't know where all that's going to take you. But you're going to begin to notice that you respond to the initial promptings of the Holy Spirit at work. At a store, um, you're standing in line of store, and the Holy Spirit says, "I want you to pay for that guy's pay for that guy's food." And if you have to hesitate and think about it, you won't do it. But if you respond, you'll immediately act and say, "You know what? Just put that on my bill. I'm going to take care of that." And the guy's going to say, "No, no, no, no." And you say, "Look, no, it's a blessing to me, and you're going to." You're gonna be able to do it and he's probably gonna say, thank you. Or I've had people break down and cry and say, you know what? This was the last money that I had and I don't have any money till the first of the month. Thank you so much. See, that's just responding to the initial promptings of the Holy Spirit at work, at the mall, with your family. Your mouth speaks out of the abundance of the heart and the heart will lead you, the mind of Christ will lead you to places where you begin to respond automatically if you're going to respond to the initial promptings of the holy spirit man i got to keep going i'm never going to get through these eight if i don't get to the yeah i'm just going to read them when you respond to the initial promptings of the holy spirit it requires two things first of all it requires a sensitivity to spirit sensitivity to the mind of christ and i don't know any way to develop that except quiet time spend time with him learn him let him let his character rub off on you uh it doesn't take a lot of effort to spend 15 or 20 minutes a day just sitting on the back porch quiet and contemplate. If you want, if you don't know what to comp- contemplate about, meditate about, just meditate on how big God is. Just look around you. If you're sitting out on the back porch, you're looking at a field or looking at your yard, whatever, just contemplate everything that he has done to make all of this happen, how, how good he is, how wonderful he is. And the second thing it requires is that you, you be obedient. You develop as a thinker. You develop as a thinker, and you stop fighting the knower. You tell the knower be quiet. You tell, I mean, tell the thinker be quiet. The knower is in charge. All right. Let me let me just hit a, another passage of scripture on this, and we're going to move on. Matthew chapter eight. But this is this is this is really the kickoff. If you can't do this, if you're not willing to respond without thinking about it and rolling it past logic and does this make sense or whatever, you're never never gonna operate out of the mind of Christ. I will tell you that flat out from experience. These eight are coming from what I've experienced and the development that I've seen in my life. Matthew chapter eight and verse 18. This is about responding. And when Jesus saw multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. Verse 19, then a certain scribe came and said to him, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Oh, you will. Okay, so Jesus says, good, I like that. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I I can't promise you anything. I don't know, I don't know, I don't have a reservation at Motel 6 tonight. It might get a little bit rough. So the guy pulls back evidently and says, okay, let me think about that. Because there's no more, there's no more discourse. There's no more picking up, there's no, there's no indication the guy said, You're on, deal. Then in verse 21, another of the disciples, disciples, followers of Jesus, said, I'll do that, but let me first go bury my father. Now Jesus is telling this story. So if the man were to respond to the initial prompting of the Spirit, he would have Follow Jesus right then. So Jesus puts him to the test in verse 22. He said, follow me and let the dead bury the dead. What Jesus was getting at is, look, it takes it, it takes an immediate response. If you If you're being led that way, if you feel that, then you need to respond to it. Jesus was pushing them into another place. He was taking them past their thinker and he was moving them into their knower. In other words, you better know, you better know that you are supposed to follow me because if you're gonna use it for logic, if, you, if I, you're if waiting for my response and then you to think about it and come up with an answer, it's too late. I don't know if the 12 were the first ones that Jesus called, but I do know this, that the ones, the 12, I do know this, that they dropped their nets. Jesus saw them, said, come follow me. Immediately, they dropped their nets. They didn't know where they were going. They didn't know what was involved, <clears throat> but there was something in the call enabled them to make an immediate respond to that initial prompting. What we're gonna find in life is this. As as the the drawing dial is turned up, and it's drawn like crazy right now all over the world. All over the world, people are being drawn. They're being drawn out of religion. They're being drawn out of legalism. They don't even know what they're going into sometimes, and their head's giving them a fit. But as this drawing dial is turned up, As we lift up Jesus, we lift up Jesus at the digital cathedral. I'm not lifting you up or your ego or your pride or your ability. We're lifting up Jesus. As we lift him up, we're going to see people drawn. You're going to see more and more people come into the digital cathedral and to come to the secret place on Wednesday night because there's a drawing and people are obeying the initial promptings of the spirit. Number two, I'm determined to follow his will even when I don't fully know what the will is. I'm determined to follow his will, even though I don't know fully what the will is. Acts chapter nine, and some of these these passages to save time, I'm just gonna have to paraphrase for you. Paul's on the road to Damascus. He's he's out rounding up Christians, wreaking havoc on the church. Wreaking havoc. He He is the Osama bin Laden of the New Testament. And he's walking, he's going down the Damascus road, and all of a sudden his light knocks him to the ground. And this 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 out of this light, this voice says, Paul, it's hard to kick against the pricks, isn't it? And Paul recognizes something and watch, he number step number one, first point, he responds to the initial promptings that arise within him. You say, Well, Paul wasn't no follower of Jesus. No, but if you remember in Galatians, Paul said, When it pleased the Father who separated me from my mother's womb to reveal the Christ that was in me. Listen, Christ is in everybody. Christ is in everybody. People don't recognize it. People don't know it. People don't see it. Church calls them separated from God. They're not separated. Paul, he didn't say to show Christ to me. He said to reveal the Christ that was in me. He said, I didn't consult with anybody. I obeyed the initial promptings of the spirit. So the only question Paul had in Acts chapter nine, when he's knocked to the ground, he says, it's hard to kick against the pricks. He only had one question. What do you want me to do? Lord, what do you want me to do? And he gave him instructions on what to do, the first step on what to do. Paul had no clue what he was getting into. Jesus said, I have one purpose. He said, my purpose in being here is to do the will of the one that sent me and to complete it. I love that part. Not just to do it, but to fulfill it and complete it. Now I'll say this, I don't have a scripture to prove it, <clears throat> so you can, you can believe me or not believe me. I don't think Jesus or Paul at the point at that point in their life grasped what was fully involved in fulfilling the plan of the Father. When Jesus said my will is to do the will of the one who sent me, he said I have one purpose. I don't think he understood everything that was there. When Paul said, "Lord, what do you want me to do?" I'm absolutely convinced Paul had no idea of everything that he was going to face in the future. If you knew the beginning to the end of your life if you at the very beginning if you if you were somehow got a revelation of everything that was going to happen in your life through your life through you know what if you were right in the center of god's will like paul and jesus were you might not respond to the initial prompting you might not be so willing to do the will until you knew exactly everything that was involved on how you would do it I look at my life, if, if at 22, when I started to pastor full-time at age 22, if I knew everything that was going to happen in my life over the next 50-some years, I might have said, man, I don't know if I want to do that. I, it's costly. It's cost me. It's cost me big time in friends and people. I, I'm not going to get into the things that it's cost me, but believe me, it's cost me. I might have said, if I knew everything I was gonna face, I might have said, I think I'm gonna opt out and do the other thing that I would have liked to do, which would to have been a lawyer. I probably would have been a, um, a trial lawyer. I, 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 that was something I was drawn to, but this over superseded it. Two things I really want to do, be a lawyer or be a coach. I love baseball, always love baseball. I'd love to be a baseball coach. Those two things, if I would have seen everything, but I started to follow the will when I was um, 19 years old. I said, okay, Lord, this is, this is what you want me to do, okay. So I prepared for it, got ready for it, went to school. Kept going to school after school. <clears throat> Spent a lot of time in school, learning. But I might not have done it, but here's what he does. and I say, I'm saying this to help you. We need to respond, initially respond to the initial promptings. And we need to know, we need to follow the will, even though we don't know every place it's taken because he shows us step by step as we take it. It unfolds step by step. The mind of Christ takes it and follows it, knowing that we're on a journey. We're kind of like Abraham. God says, Abraham, look, I'm calling you. I want you to leave your family, leave everything that's familiar. I want you to pick up and go. Abraham says, "Uh, hold the phone. Where are we going? And God says to Abraham, I will tell you when we get there. And that's pretty much the way the mind of Christ functions. It, it draws us to take an initial prompting of the spirit. It, it pulls us to obey his will even though we don't know what it is. That's where the rest, the trust, and the believing comes in. We just rest in what he's taken us, that step. We trust him. We trust the one that promised it, able to do it and we believe, we respond to the revelation that he gives us, and that's effortlessly, it done in effortlessly fashion. All right, number three. Number three, my vision is to serve regardless of the demand. You know you're functioning out of the mind of Christ when you are willing to, to serve whatever the demand is, and the demand might be lower or it might be higher. <clears throat> I've seen the demand come in my life to do things that I go, man, I'm, I'm way too qualified to do that. I do I want to stoop down and, and do that? I remember when we started the church. We started a church here in Houston. Started from ground level zero. I, I was a little bit everything. I was the janitor, I plunged toilets, I set up chairs. I, you know, here I am, I've been a pastor at that point for a pretty good number of years, from 1969 I'd been involved in ministry until 1983 when we started the church here in Houston. I'd been involved in different facets and phases of ministry. I was experienced. I'm plunging toilets. I'm setting up chairs. I'm running the vacuum. I'm setting up sound equipment in the hotel. I'm doing all these things. So, I, I, And sometimes the demand is way beyond what you think your ability is, beyond what you think you're, you can do. I remember the first time I was invited to speak at a conference with, with some guys that had a pretty good name and I felt, man, I'm ain't, I, I'm not in that ballpark, I'm not in that league. And, and my first inclination was to be uh, kind of intimidated, but I knew this, I knew this, that my vision was to serve in whatever the demand was, whether it was lower or whether it was higher. In In Luke chapter nine, Luke chapter nine, and man, I'm running away behind time this morning. I may just keep going till I'm done. So if you have to click off, that's fine. Uh, Luke chapter nine, verse 23. Luke chapter nine, verse 23. Jesus said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, and let him take up his cross daily and follow me. He's talking about you know, your mission, your cause, what your purpose in life is. And whosoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whosoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He's not talking about physical life there. The word that he uses for life in Luke chapter nine, verse 23 and verse 24 is the Greek word suke. It means self-life. It's where we get the word psyche from. Self-life, ego life. It's about giving up your uh, souke life. It's about giving up your demands on what you think you should be able to do or not have to do. What's below you? What's above you? I, I can make a choice on it. No, you when you are functioning out of the mind of Christ, you say, "I will serve regardless of the demand." Serving in the kingdom, and I'm just going to kind of drop this. Serving in the kingdom does not allow you to pick and choose. Oh, I'd like to do this. I don't. I don't want to do that over there. That's 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 not me. I, I'm not involved. You ask me. Are you asking me because I have children to work one time every quarter in children's church? I don't think so. I, I'm, I'm not a kid's person. Just ask Paul. Ask Jesus about the demand that Cain was serving. A lot of it was below what their, their uh, calling was, what appeared to be their calling. But it all works into the calling. And some of it was way beyond. But Jesus said this. He said, count the cost. Count the cost. Here's the cost. functioning out of the mind of Christ, you count the cost. You know what the cost is? Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, that's the cost. If he asks you, if he asks you, if he puts that demand on your life to serve, I can tell you what, your pockets will be deep enough emotionally, physically, financially, to pay it by grace. You'll be able to do it by grace. The mind of Christ is all about availability, it's not about ability. Very little in the kingdom has to do with ability. There's a lot more guys that have a lot more ability than I do, a lot smarter than I am, that are functioning way below their capacity because they're they're not functioning out of the mind of Christ. They're not ticking the things off that I'm explaining to you this morning. They're absolutely refusing to do it. It's about availability. When you put your hand to the plow to serve, you don't look back. You just keep moving forward. That's that's the knower that operates through the mind of christ number four number four following his plan takes priority over following the plan of other people following his plan takes priority over following the plans of other people as his mind emerges as the mind of christ emerges your priorities crystallize they become a lot clearer you get instead of a shotgun you begin to be like a rifle and so your knower Begins to, set, begins to set the steps, begins to show you the strong direction. And the direction that he shows you, listen to me. Some of you are going through this right now. Following his plan, the mind of Christ will help you to see that it takes priority over pleasing other people, plans of other people. When you, when you begin to really focus in on, okay, this is my call, this is what I'm doing, this is where I'm placed, It may not please your family, may not please your friends. It didn't please a lot of my friends when I started going the way that I'm going. It still is not pleasing them. They have nothing to do with me anymore. It may not please the people down at the church house. They may may, uh, put you off the church rolls, ask you to leave. People will always have a plan for you and the plan they have for you is always to agree with the plan that God has for them. They want you to just come and agree and rally around beliefs and theology and that's not the plan of God. That may not be what he has for you. Jesus and Paul both had to make the choices that the plan that the Father was taking them on took priority over following the plan of others. Think of all the people that Paul knew. This guy was a this guy was a hot shot in the Pharisees. He was he was a known quantity. He had, he was highly respected. There were a lot of people that ditched Paul. Probably people that he you know had lunch with after church on Sunday, and now they have nothing to do with Paul because Paul's going another way. Jesus was despised and respected. He uh, he didn't he didn't have many friends. He had twelve. But even when things got tough, those 12 left him when push came to shove. The mind of Christ will tell you your priorities ahead of time. And that's why we respond. That's why we do the will, even though we don't know what it is, because the Spirit of God will set your priorities ahead of time so that when something comes to you, you will know, I'm sorry, that's not me. I'm not going that direction. I'm not going that way. If a conflict arises, remember, you remember the time that Jesus was teaching and his mom and his brother showed up? They said, hey Jesus, we're outside here. Come out and talk to us. Jesus said, I'm gonna tell you who my mother and my family is. He said, my family are those that do the will of God, will of the Father. My family, my close family, a Digital Cathedral. I've got, I've got, I've, you know, I've got s- some close siblings, yeah. But the real family, I don't have a large family anymore. Everybody's pretty passing away. So my family, my natural family, is dwindling. But Jesus said, you know what? You really need to see his family, those that are willing to do the will of the Father. The mind of Christ sets those people in place for you. Number five, I fully see the Father as my total source. I see the Father as my total source. This is so important. The mind of Christ will help you to see that you only have one source, and that's the Father. Paul said, remember that verse, Philippians 4.19, My God shall meet all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You ask most Christians to quote that verse, they will not say, my, my God will meet all of your need. They will say all of your needs because they see multiple needs. The mind of Christ will show you and will help you to function out of the fact there's only one need that you have. And that need is to recognize and to be plugged into one source. The Father is your source. A Lot of channels. He may pipe things to you in a lot of different ways, but He is the only source. Now here's what happens, your thinker, your thinker wants you to unplug from that and to find a source that is reasonable, that's logical, and then see that as your source. It wants you to plug in to your job or your business or your investments and see that as your source. That can be a channel. Father may use it as a channel. You may make an investment in stock, in the stock quadruples, but that stock is not your source. Your job is not your source. Never view it as your source. Never view an investment as your source or a business. There can be lots of channels, but there's one source. So Paul recognized that He said, my God will meet all of my need according to his riches. There's only one need, and that is to see him as the total source. Your thinker wants to disconnect you from one source and it looks for something that it mentally can feel comfortable with, which is a channel, and call that the source. But when that sucker dries up, you lose the job, the investment goes south, the business fails, then all of a sudden your life is devastated because you have depended on that rather than being connected to the true source. The thinker sees channels as source and depends on them. The nor, as it upgrades to the mind of Christ, Functions out of one source of everything. So once the mind of Christ locks in on one source Here's the benefit Once the mind of Christ locks in that there's only one source. That's the father Then the days of worrying are over Days of worrying are over because the source will take care of you number six number six I recognize the, his ownership in my own in my stewardship over everything I possess, let me say that again number six, I recognize his ownership and my stewardship over everything that I possess. in Luke chapter 12 and verse 15, this is huge this is this this step right here. the mind of Christ will bring peace to you being a steward, not an owner. I don't own anything. I don't own anything everything is at his disposal everything is at his use uh, you know the house that I live in is not my house it's his house he gave it to me he provided he opened the door probably shouldn't be living in this house but I am and so when something I, from the very beginning I, I I was going through the process of buying I said this is not my baby it's your baby father it's your house so If it works out, it works out. So when something goes wrong here, a repair, I say, God, you got a problem with your house. You need to take care of that problem with your house. I oversee it, I take care of it, I steward it, but it's not mine. Car I drive, not my car, not my car. Somebody bangs into it, I'm not upset, it's not mine. I'm a steward, but he's the one that possesses it. In Luke chapter 12, and verse 15, he said to them, take heed, beware of covetousness. Let me just look in my center reference here. Uh, that's, that's all covetousness. Actually, actually, uh, the original leaves that up. Beware of covetousness for one's life. This is, this is the mind of Christ functioning. One's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. How many people do you know that try to get more stuff all the time? Because that's how they keep score. That's their identity. Whole time we talked about identity. It was not to gain stuff. Your identity is divinity. When you're tapped in, when you when you are uh, a joint heir with Jesus and an heir of God, you don't have to worry about trying to accumulate stuff. Seeing me as the owner is going to make me nervous because then I have to take responsibility for it. It's enough to think, like Luke 12:15, when you figure out. That you don't have to, you know, try to run, run herd over all your stuff. That's, that's not my stuff, it's his stuff. When he owns everything, I just manage it. I'm a good manager, I'm a good manager. And it relieves me of the stress to try to maintain it and multiply it. See, the, the, the money that I have invested in, in stocks, it's not my job to multiply, it's his. And and the the guy that I've got running it, it's the the father's dilemma. I I operate out of the mind of Christ to help him take care of it. It relieves me of the stress to maintain it. When his yoke is easy, I'll tell you, when his yoke is easy, his burden is light. Life is stress-free. Stop the stress. Stress comes because you're not willing to let go. You're wanting to still own it. You're still wanting to own it. The mind of Christ is about releasing control. You cannot be a control freak and operate in the mind of Christ. Can't get upset over little things. Getting upset shows you haven't let go of it yet. Now you're gonna see all these things. Nobody's gonna judge you. These are things you notice that are working within you. Number seven, when the mind of Christ operates, I learn to take difficulties and failures and move them into opportunities for growth. I take all of the the difficulties, all the failures that I encounter, all of a sudden the script is flipped and it turns into an opportunity for growth. When it appears that I failed, when it appears that I failed, does my trust in spiritual life die? See, mind of Christ, it won't. Mind of Christ is gonna say, you've been knocked down, it's time to get back up again. Uh, On Friday, on Good Friday, when Jesus was crucified, it didn't look good. It did not, it looked like he'd failed. It looked like he, it was the end of the story. But Sunday was just around the corner. See, we, we all like the Sundays. We all like the resurrection. We all like the springing forth of life. But we want to avoid the Fridays. But you can't avoid some of the Fridays. You know the mind of Christ. You the, the knower. The spirit in operation is gaining ascendancy over the thinker when you are absolutely knocked flat. You lose everything. And there is a resiliency within you to get back up again. Doctor comes in the room and says, you got cancer. You are knocked flat. But there's something within you that will not quit, that will not die. And it's not your natural strength and not your natural effort. It's the mind of Christ that is gonna take that difficulty and that seeming failure and it's gonna turn it around and you're you're gonna minister to people that had the same dilemma, same problem, same heartache, same setback. Jesus said in this world, you're gonna have pushback. He said, but be of good cheer, get your life patterned after mine, think out of the mind of Christ and know that I've overcome the world, therefore you can too. If the Son of Man overcame the world, then He's endued you with the ability as the Son of Man, the Son of God, both in one, to overcome it also. Can I let you in on a secret? The Father designed every day of your life before time began. Says in Psalm 139 verse 16, I'm just gonna paraphrase it. it. Says in Psalm 139 verse 16, that God knew me before my parts were formed. And he planned every day of my life when yet they were not lived. He knows what's coming. He knows what's coming. And in his wisdom, he keeps it a mystery to me. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen next week. I don't know what's going to happen 10 minutes after I'm done teaching this morning. He does. So what do I do? I rest. I trust. I believe. And I know if it's an adversity, if it would seem to be a setback, that I can take that through the mind of Christ and reverse it and begin to make it a success. First thing you want to do when you're in adversity, first thing you want to do is rejoice and and be happy and throw your hands up in the air and just say, "God, this is good stuff, man. I'm I can't wait to see how you work this out for my benefit. I can't wait to see it's all good. I don't care how dark it looks, how 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 seemingly bad it looks. You 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 need to acknowledge it with rejoicing. You need to read You need to acknowledge it with with some thanksgiving, man, and praise. God's good all the time. God's good all the time. All right, number eight. This is the last one. You know you're coming out of the mind of Christ. You know you're living out of that. When knowing him becomes the obsession of my life. You really wanna know more. You know what I have found? I mean, I went for a lot of years. I kinda had everything figured out, laid out, planned out. I had my theology all correct. You know what I found? As I've entered into this thing where I've really got a relationship with the Father, I know He loves me. I know my identity is divinity. I'm learning how to create the world that I live in because He's empowered me to do that. I am. I am more than a conqueror. I am a son of God. I am able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I ask or think. I am able to do that, all right? You know what, you know what I'm learning? The more I learn, the more I wanna learn. The more hunger I have. It, it's become the drive of my life. TV now looks really boring. I do watch a lot of sports. I will tell you for sure. But when I'm watching I, baseball season, I watch baseball, football, basketball. I like it all. Hockey I haven't gotten zoned into yet. I love sports. But when I'm, I, I have learned this this baseball season. I can watch, I can watch my Astros play, and I can have pods plugged in and I can listen to a teaching because watching a ball game does not take a lot of attention or concentration. I can have a notepad sitting over there. Something strikes me in what I'm hearing. I can write it down. I, I I I'm finding that you know what I'm I'm just not happy with a with a boring, a boring existence. Most most guys my age, you know, they're sitting in Florida out on a beach in a chair somewhere, drying up like a prune. Not me. In fact, I'm getting younger every day. I look in the mirror sometimes and I think, man, it's just not fair, is it? That's what that's the attitude you need to have. Knowing him becomes the obsession of your life. Age is just a number. They lived hundreds of years in the Old Testament. Who told us that we have to die at four score years or three score and ten? Who told you that? It's what we've learned to accept. But I'll tell you what, your, your physical life is given life by the spirit that is within you. In my life's verse, 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, here is his love made perfect, that you may have boldness in the day of judgment. And I told my wife, put this on my tombstone. As he is, so was that guy in this present world. I wanna be just like him. You know what Jesus said? He said, nobody takes my life. He said, disease isn't gonna take it. People aren't gonna take it. He said, I'll lay it down when I'm ready to. When I've got when I've got everything done and I wanna move dimensions, I want to move level of consciousnesses, which is all, which is all we're gonna do. We're just gonna transition. I like that word transition. You're gonna be more aware, more awake, more perceptive than you are held down by this flesh body. When that time comes, I'll be like E.W. Kenyon. He said he ate breakfast, told his wife. He was way up in years. He said, I think my job's done. I'm going to go up. I'm going to take a nap. He said, I'm not going to wake up. I'm just going to go on. She gave him a kiss. and, said, okay, I'll see you on the other side. He went up and he transitioned. See, nobody should take your life. You should lay it down. He said, okay, my course is finished. All these things we're talking about this morning, living out of the mind of Christ will bring you to a place where you know that you know that you know that your life is fully fulfilled. So let me say this in conclusion. Let me land this plane. As your metamorphosis continues from the caterpillar to the butterfly, you're gonna see these eight things emerge. I'm telling you, I I gave you this out of what I see in me. These eight things are going to emerge in your life. They're gonna get brighter, they're gonna get stronger, they're gonna take more preeminence, they're gonna take dominance in your life, and you're gonna flip operating systems from a thinker to a knower. The mind of Christ is the center of your knowing, and your spirit, works in conjunction with it. The mind of Christ carries the thoughts of the Father to the Spirit, and the Spirit, the heart, grows them in abundance. To the knower which has been awakened and stirred, life becomes really good. So don't fight these eight. When you see these things crop up, uh, and you feel like, man, I need to to respond to that instantly, I, I need to follow that, I don't know where it's taking me, but I need to go that way. Uh, when all of a sudden you feel like everything you possess is being pulled out of your hands, and sometimes the only way you're gonna, it's going to be pulled out is for you to lose it. It's better to give it up and surrender it than to lose it. It's better to be a steward over something than an owner over nothing. That was good. Better to be a steward over a whole lot than an owner over nothing. So d- just... Acknowledge. See, all those things happen. Don't fight them. As, you, as, you, as you're sensing this stuff rising in your life, you know what, submit to it. Go with it. Enjoy the development, man. Enjoy this journey. Don't get all nervous, uptight, restless. I don't know if I'm doing it right. You're doing perfect. You're right where you ought to be. Observe these things as they surface. Recognize, Set back and look at it. You are a spirit being that has every right to observe what's going on in the natural. So as these things arise out of spirit, as these things develop out of spirit and become observable in the natural, go with the flow, observe them, recognize that working within because the Father is sanctifying you totally, spirit, soul, and body. He's just pulling you to himself. He's rubbing off on you and you're looking like him. I'll just say this, my final sentence. Faithful is the one that has begun all of this work in you Faithful is the one who started it, who will also finish it. Rest, trust, believe, and enjoy the journey. Amen. God bless you. See you next Sunday morning on the Digital Cathedral. Don't forget to keep us in your positive thoughts and your prayers, and thank you for your support every month. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night, 7 p.m. at The Secret Place on the Don Keithley ministry page and back here next week when I'm gonna to talk to you about the creative womb that you have and that you are. We're gonna get back onto some I amness next week, so you don't wanna miss it. God bless you. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you next time.